0: Well, there certainly is a lot going on in the earth right now. Pestilence, wars, rumors of wars, the sea and the waves roaring. A lot going on. And I hope to bring you some peace by just simply talking about the greatest thing that we have in our possession and that is the holy word of God, the scriptures. And continuing on this idea of uh, Samson, I just feel like a lot of us are where Samson is right now. There's a big push for teamwork. You know, it takes a team, the team, the team, the team. I agree with partnerships, I really do. Uh, Some of the greatest things I've accomplished is because I had a partner. Or I did have a team. But then there's also a lot of things in life. And a lot of which is the most meaningful. I did it all on my own. I did it all on my own. And sometimes you're going to have to fight all on your own. Sometimes you will fail all on your own and have to recover everything all on your own. And oftentimes you're going to have to have faith all on your own. And Samson learned how to do that. And I feel... A lot of us are right where he was at, and some of the things that he did, we can learn from and apply it to our own life. You you look at a lot of the judges in the Bible, not very holy people. A lot of them, their life was intermingled with paganism, idolatry. A lot of them broke God's laws and somehow prevailed. That's just how dark times were back then. Just a glimmer of righteousness was celebrated and applauded. And sometimes you have to go with <laughs> what you got. I was talking to uh, a worship leader friend of mine some time back. He said that uh, we have tried to create a, a modest and holy look on our choir. He said we were having one of those uh, global multicultural type services (laughs) he said i looked up in in the choir and there was a lady she had some kind of uh i don't know we'll we'll just say a uh a foreign outfit from a certain country and he said pretty much half her body was exposed in that thing up there swaying in the choir and you know he didn't even say a word Because uh, the next Sunday, everything was back to normal, modest dress. (laughs) So that's the way the judges were. You you just had to be excited about anybody who would do anything remotely associated with God. And the covenant given, given to Abraham, the law given to Moses, and you had to celebrate that. So that's how a lot of the judges were. You had to celebrate because if it weren't for them, there'd be no Israel. If there was no Israel, there would be no Jesus. There would be no church. There would be no hope for eternity. So always honor the past whenever you can. That's why you always have, always have to honor your parents. You know, maybe your parents weren't cool. Maybe your parents weren't the best. You still have to honor them because if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be here. And if you will learn to honor them, you will live long. You will live long and prosper. Long life is, is uh, spoken over you in the word of God. But there's other things about Samson that are quite uh, prophetic and profound. And this is why I believe he was so appealing and pleasing to the Holy Ghost and to the New Testament church. Samson's life was really prophetic. It, it was typology of what would come in the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this, Samson and Jesus, both of their births were predicted by angels. Very interesting and very uncommon. You usually do not get that, but so many details uh, about their births given to them by angels. Very, very interesting. Both of them, as they grew up, they were blessed. They were highly favored. That's what it spoke of over them as they grew up in their childhood. Both were moved upon by the Holy Spirit uh, during their youth. Both of them defeated lions. Samson killed a a roaring lion, (laughs) and and Jesus destroyed the roaring lion, Satan. Both of them married Gentile brides. Think about that. Hmm. Both of them spoke in riddles. Also very interesting. Samson told riddles. Jesus spoke in parables. Parables. Samson had 7 locks of hair. What is before the throne of God? 7 spirits. John saw in Revelation, Isaiah uh gives the details of what these 7 spirits of the Lord are. Both of them were a one-man army. Their greatest battles were won not with an army but just themselves, a one-man army. Um from what I can tell, most of the battles were not fought from the outside they were all fought from within samson is always right there in the middle of the enemy's camp and where does jesus fight from not from the outside always right in the middle of it all yes samson got angry set all the fields of the philistines on fire jesus uh, the zeal of the house of the lord had eaten him up and he turned those tables over not that he was against sales or making money. It's just where people should have been praying, they had they were making money there. It's kind of like, do you like kids after church while everybody is praying in the altar, walking around trying to get you to buy candles for their Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or their school, whatever? Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> Why? Because people want to pray. People want to visit. People uh, don't want to have little magazines and and stuff even though they're sweet little kids but nobody's want to yeah it's just not a time for merchandise right so yeah they both got angry and 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 did something about it right the zeal for the cause samson was betrayed for money jesus was also betrayed for money and both both of them looked like they were defeated Samson looks, it looked like it was over for him there on those pillars, but one big push and boom, uh, Jesus looked like, uh, he he was defeated on the cross, but as soon as he cried out, it was finished. Whoo! The spirit world felt that, uh, both of their enemies rejoiced over them. They rejoiced over them, but they came back and defeated their enemies, both, uh, heavily mocked by their enemies. But, uh, who's laughing now? They both made a great comeback. Made a great comeback, and both of them delivered their people. So that's the Samson I am referring to. Was he perfect? No, nobody is. But through the mistakes of his life, we see that even though you fail, you fail yourself, you fail God with nobody to blame but yourself, you still can make a comeback. And through faith, do something pleasing for the Lord. And in turn, doing something great. Great. For the people of God. And that's what Samson did. You are listening to Justin C. Gleason. Please consider following and keeping this podcast playing in the background of your productive day. Give a five star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. It's 2022, the year we prevail. His faith, you see it all over in his story, but where I really see it in a story that's always appealed to me ever since I was a little boy is the carrying away of the gates of Gaza. I've always liked that. I had a little picture Bible as a kid, and I still can see the image of it to this day. Samson carrying those great gates. And what happened was Israel was under great oppression by Philistine cities. Uh, the coastland cities Ekron Ashkelon Ashdod and Gath Uh, very oppressive very oppressive and Samson uh, through the Nazarite vow through faith all of that was able to acquire great strength not bodybuilder strength not martial arts strength but strength that came through the spirit came directly upon God and Samson didn't have it every time he wanted it It only happened as it would move upon him at certain moments in certain times. It was like God controlled it whenever God wanted him to have it. Uh, That's when it happened. And I I really think the gifts of the spirit are like that. You know, I get people that come up to me from time to time and say, I need a prophetic word and I'll just sit there and wait. (laughs) They look at me. I'm like, well, I got nothing. (laughs) I I don't get to prophesy on command. I don't get to interpret your dream on command. I only speak whenever God tells me to speak. I only uh, act when God tells me to act in ways like that. And that is how it was for Samson. I believe his strength came almost like how angels have great strength. The Spirit of God moves upon those angelic beings and they have great strength. And that's what happened to Samson. He had strength like an angel uh, from the Lord. Reference Psalm 103.20 in regards to angels who excel. In great strength, so Samson had lost his wife, and you find him in the next time in Philistine territory. He is in Gaza, and he goes in unto a a a harlot there. He's with a the harlot there in Gaza. He'd been married before, and uh, killed thirty men after that wedding. Uh, then you see him catching three hundred foxes, putting torches in their tails. And uh, burning up their fields, 3,000 men of Judah then deliver Samson to the Philistines, all bound up. And in the middle of being bound up, being taken off, Samson then slays, kills a 1,000 of those Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Later on, Samson destroys 3,000 Philistines in the Dagon Temple. I find those numbers... Uh, just absolutely fascinating all the patterns of that very very neat in gaza though he does not kill anybody in gaza there is no bloodshed, but there is the destruction and the removal and the carrying away of their gates and i believe it was a prophetic act of faith in regard to carrying away these gates by this great man of faith samson i've read some uh, history, some archaeological history on these gates. They were two doors, and together they weighed one thousand pounds. One thousand pounds. It was two ten-foot tall, uh, two 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 doors, each of them ten by five feet. They were wooden, but plated with bronze. Uh, that's what they did back then, the Bronze Age. And so you had uh, wooden doors plated with bronze, and but solid bronze bars and posts. And according to history, it took ten men, five on each side, to open and close these gates. That's how strong and powerful they were with the bars and everything like that. Samson hears that Philistines are lying in wait for him in the secretive uh, portion, the secret place there of the Gaza City, back by kind of where the harlots would hang out. So it's not in the wide open square. Thankfully, the Gaza the Gazaites had enough sense to put all of that uh, sinful things back into <laughs> the secret parts of the city. I wish America could learn that. How many cities now, small towns, do you have uh, those porn shops right there in the middle of it? It used to be, you know, off in the back field somewhere, covered, so people could come in there privately and secretly. No, now they have it. Right in the middle of it, some kind of illa's, and why are they doing that? Thankfully, the Gazaites had enough sense for that to not put that right in the middle of the town square. You know, harlots here for Gazaites, for Philistines, for Israelites, whoever. Come weak, come strong, enjoy yourself with one of our harlots. So there is Samson, and he hears hears that they're lying in wait for him. He doesn't go through the secretive back door. He doesn't go and fight them. Instead, walks out of the harlot's house down the main street and goes right up to the main gates of Gaza. Back then, their city halls, all of the um, the judgment seats, all of the major decisions made for a city were not really in the town square. They were right at the gates where people would enter and exit. He goes right up to those gates, the place of business, the place where the leader of the town uh, did business, the place where all of the law enforcement would gather, all of the lawyers, all of that stuff goes up to those gates, a representation of law, a representation of order, a representation of business transactions goes up to those thousand pounds of wood and bronze, gates, bar and all. And completely unhinges it without a screwdriver, without a drill, without a hammer, without anything. His own bare hands and the strength of the Lord breaks down those gates and starts carrying them. And he carries them to Hebron. Okay. now I want all of you, when you read the Bible, don't just read it, but think about the details of it. And I recommend making minor notes of questions you may have, especially when it comes to cities and territories and destinations that people traveled. When did they travel? How did they travel and how far did they travel and discover the significance of it? And that is where the faith of Samson is. It's in these gates. I think the writer of Hebrews, when he talked about Samson, one of the main things in his mind, yes, it was pushing down those pillars, but it's the gates of Gaza. Very, very prophetic. Samson leaves Gaza with a 1,000 pounds, probably more with the bar and all, probably 2,000 pounds on his back. And he walks 40 miles to Hebron. 40 miles to Hebron and uphill. Gaza is a 100 feet above sea level. Hebron is a little over 3,000 feet above sea level 3330 feet to be exact above sea level he walks uphill for 40 miles with 2000 feet or 2000 pounds on his back wow think about that you've seen those bodybuilding videos you know somebody squats puts a barbell with a ton of plates weight plates on that bar on their back And they get underneath that squat rack, you know, and got people all around them and the cameras and the lights on them. (laughs) And they've already psyched themselves up saying, lightweight, lightweight, lightweight. (laughs) And their spotters and support system are smacking them on the head and hitting their thighs. You know, come on, come on. Let's go. You know, (laughs) lightweight. Yeah. And they squat a thousand pounds, barely knees shaking. Veins popping out of their foreheads. Uh, other things may happen that I'm not going to talk about on this show, but all this effort to squat one rep of a thousand pounds, right? And that's like the ultimate uh, goal and dream of every lifter. What does Samson do? He's not a bodybuilder, he's a fighter. He carries, at a minimum, with just the gates, 1,000 pounds. But I'm thinking with the bar and all and everything, probably 2,000 pounds. 2,000 pounds of wooden bronze on his back. Not one squat, but walks 40 miles doing big lunges (laughs) with this. That's the strength of the Lord, people. That is the strength of the Lord. Have you ever wondered how some evangelists preach night after night after night? And yes they do break a sweat but their voice still stays intact their energy is still there their faith is still there. That's the strength of the Lord. How are people able to fast the way they fast? How are people able to intercede and persevere and prevail the way they do? That is the strength of the Lord. How do you keep going? The strength of the Lord. The strength of the Lord is what'll keep you going. Uh the psalm said that man's allotted days are 70 years, three score and 10, a score is twenty. Three score. That's 60 and 10, 70, 70 years and 80 years by reason of what? Not faith, not love, not hope. It's strength. The strength of the Lord is the key to longevity. It is the key to keep on going it is the key to keep on prevailing and i used to hear a lot of the old timers pray that god give me strength i need strength i need strength (laughs) i don't hear that prayer that much anymore from this generation not much asking for strength you know we pray for god i need help (laughs) i need counseling i need therapy oh my god you know Uh, you need strength to prevail through your depression You need strength of the Lord to prevail through your anxieties and through your fears. We all get it. We all have it. It's just what are you looking for to be your source of help, uh, your source of accomplishment? The strength of the Lord will help you get through those things. And let me tell you, it's real. I've had it come to me. In the lowest moments of my life, the strength of the Lord moved upon me at various moments in time. And I could feel it. It's like a divine energy. And no, I didn't pick up 2,000 pounds. No, but I kept on going 2,000 more days as a minister. (laughs) Praise God. So, yeah, it can happen in your lowest points, in your deepest, darkest sin, the enemy trying to destroy your life. uh, Don't think God has abandoned you just because you've walked away from him. Don't think because you've walked into the enemy's camp and are partaking of the sins and the pleasures of the enemies that God has departed from you. When you have a divine purpose and you have a divine destiny upon your life, even in your worst and sinful moments, God will help you have a way of escape out of that. He certainly will. There is always a way of escape out of your sin. There is always a way of escape out of your rebellion, and the strength of the Lord will help you to get out of it. Yes, to continue to accomplish things for God, and then also in the day of judgment, God wants to be able to call witnesses and to have a testimony. Was there a way of escape for you to escape your sins? And nobody will have an excuse. God will never put on any more temptation than what you can handle or what you can say no to or what you can get out of. And that is Samson. That is Samson. You know, he could have just stayed there with that harlot. But no, he felt the strength of the Lord. and He said, I've got to get out of here. I got to do something with God's strength. So, and I hear that happen. To guys that I pastor, to guys that I counsel, they tell me right before they were about to look at it, right before they were about to inject it, right before they were about to smoke it, right before they were about to drink it, they felt God say no. And they listened to that voice and dropped it like it was hot and got out of there. That's how you blow through the gates of hell, people. When God says no, get out, you get out. You listen to God. You trust his strength. And watch God let you prevail every time. Come on, somebody. Uh, the altar's open. <laughs> but I'm going to be like one of those preachers. When you make an altar call, I still keep screaming and hollering in the microphone. <laughs> uh, there's more to this. It's prophetic why he carried these gates, these huge gates from Gaza up to Hebron. Very neat. Very neat. You read back further uh, into the left of your Bible. If you have an electronic Bible, maybe you scroll up to the book of Genesis and look at the life of Abraham. Abraham buys a field, a burial ground, a burial cave, the field of Machpelah. It's a burial plot that he himself, Abraham, Sarah, his wife, Isaac, Rebecca, and Jacob and Leah, all the family there. That's where they are buried. You know where that territory that is? Hebron, same place, Hebron. So Abraham is buried there and Hebron. Well, guess who was anointed there to be king in the future? David. And that's where he ruled and reigned for the first like seven years of his of his life. So there's Samson carrying 2000 pounds of wood and bronze on his back from Gaza to Hebron. When he would have been carrying those gates, he would have passed by and seen it with his own eyes. The tomb of the forefather his patriarch, who's he's a direct descendant of Abraham there in that tomb. And as he is putting those gates down there on the mountain of Hebron, it would have been very near the same place that David would have been anointed. It was a prophetic act. What did Abraham speak about in Genesis chapter 22 and 17? There was a promise there that the descendants of Abraham would possess the gates of the enemies (laughs) the descendants of Abraham they would take up and possess the gates of the enemies you know what Samson is showing there that he still believed in the prophetic word from God through Abraham (laughs) that the covenant is still alive and it was a witness and testimony to those Philistines that this land belongs to God and I've got your gates to prove it (laughs) oh man That's right. And it was a testimony to David and his men who could probably still see the remains of those gates there on Hebron that through great strength, you will conquer the enemy territories. That's right. Man, it even goes further. Zephaniah prophesies Zephaniah chapter two prophesies. It's about the catching away of the church. And after that happens, and the Lord comes back to avenge his enemies. Can you guess what the first city is God is going to judge? It's not Rome. It's not London. Not New York. Not Los Angeles. Hong Kong. None of those cities. Moscow. None of them. You know what city is the first to be judged in the apocalypse? It's Gaza. Zephaniah chapter 2. Check it out. Also, Isaiah talks about Gaza. Its typology. that one day the modern gates or the future gates of Gaza are going to be ripped wide open by Jesus and he's going to judge that city for all of the evils and terrors that they did to the covenant people of the Lord. Praise the Lord. You look in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Philip, where's he journeying to? Gaza. And who does he meet? An Ethiopian eunuch and baptizes him. It was typology of the church. I don't know. Maybe Philip passed by and saw the remains of those gates there on the city that Samson threw up there. And it was typology that the New Testament church would fight and break down the gates of hell. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, I, we had a guest, uh, Dr. C.P. Thomas, uh, here on this podcast, a phenomenal episode. If you haven't listened to it at the close of this episode, go back and listen to it. And he tells a story at the end, a fascinating story. He was uh, preaching and teaching in a village in the jungles of India. And the villages, the, the families were believing the message and he was baptizing them. But there was a witch who gained a lot of wealth through um, doing witchcraft and seances for that village and villages round about. She came out to him with a sword and was going to kill him, but he cast the devil out of that woman. And as he was walking home that evening from the mountains and the jungles down to his house, uh, he saw uh, a woman in the jungle who kept following him, but he could not get close to her. And he saw this woman uh, jump a hundred feet up in the air and land in a pool of water and disappeared. It It was the demonic spirit he cast out of that woman. But uh, he he said he kept the sword, <laughs> that little knife that that woman threatened him with as a reminder of God's power. Man, <laughs> I, 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 I t- This stuff is real. I know we need to get rid of sin. We need to get rid of paraphernalia that is sinful. But I would like to think maybe some of you women that have come out of the world, you perhaps keep maybe just a few things what God delivered you from some of your jewelry or whatever I don't know keep it tucked and buried away for nobody to see and so from time to time you can go back and look and say this is what God delivered me from this is a testimony um I tell you what I like to see sometimes it gets a little crazy but I have seen people lay their drugs on the altar i remember one time there was a bag up on the altar And I thought, what is this? Who dropped the trash right here on the altar? And I went up there and I opened it up and I saw pipes. (laughs) And not like uh, Shireweed pipes from Gandalf and Frodo or Bilbo. No, it was pipes for crack. I saw needles in that bag and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I look and nearby there's a man confessing his sins and repenting and and getting rid of uh, all the sin in his life and deliverance is happening there. You know, it's a witness and testimony to take what the enemy had you bound by, what the enemy had you closed in by, and take that and drop it in a prophetic place and say, never again. Oh, praise God. So, yeah, if your family's cursed, take your curses, drop them at the altar. As a witness and testimony of the past, it'll never have me again. And as a future place for your future generations to see and behold, this is where I left it all behind. I cannot wait uh, to take my kids when they're when they when they're old enough, when they come to age, maybe when they're eight nine years old, to the old church, our old church, and show them the place where I was baptized and where I received the Holy Ghost, and say this is where it changed for me. I cannot wait to someday take my children to uh, the old Tabernacle, UPCI Wisconsin District Youth Camp, that old Tabernacle. All you listeners up in, up up in Wisconsin. Your campground in the old tabernacle, if you're in the altar looking at the pulpit all the way over to the right in the corners where God called me to preach and gave me a glimpse of things that I would one day do with my life and a part of it I'm doing right now, this podcast, that's the place where I lay down my own ambitions and my own will and my own desires and say, God, I serve you. I will do whatever you say. I can take you to that place. Prophecy is not just speaking. It's moving things. It's doing things. It's showing people, physical things. This is the place. This is where God did it. This is where God changed it. It's prophetic. It's for you, your family, and for your people to tell a story. That's right. Praise God. Back in the late 1990s, our church took a big step of faith we sold our old building not knowing where we would go we would become renters and we would search for a new place of land new land and build a new worship a place of worship on that land and um we left that church and we began to rent from a it was a, another church's like gymnasium or their multi-purpose room. It was a <laughs> a shed kind of way way off in the backfield. That's where we had church. And let me tell you, we had some church in that place. But we didn't call it the gymnasium. We didn't call it the multi-purpose room. I don't know why we called it where the nickname came from, but we called it a horse barn. <laughs> and I was at Bible college through most of those years, during the horse barn years, but my dad would call me every week and check in and just tell me what's going on in the church, you know? And I, my heart spiritually became knit to the church during that time, even though I'm, I'm going to Bible college, doing my thing, preparing my life for ministry. There's things going on back home that are just really neat and fascinating. I mean, the church had to set up and take down and do all of these things. And it's been a long time, but I, I know exactly where that location is. And someday I'll take my kids there and we have pictures of it. Sometimes we talk about this to the church, how you know, we, we didn't own that place. Uh, other people owned that place and we just used it and we it, it, everything was just so ah uh, it it was just difficult to manage at times but we made it through it but we had a horse barn you know what's interesting whenever the lord opened up the opportunity for us to purchase the land here where we're at on a mountain by the way view high mountain <laughs> you know down the down at the bottom of the hill you know what was there an old horse barn yeah a uh, horse boarding up here in View High Drive in South Kansas City, this is where the who's who of Kansas City came and and, uh, and uh, kept their their horses in their stalls, the barn. I don't know the right lingo. That horse barn has sat there for years, untouched. Nobody cared about it. Until about three years ago when we began to launch a campaign. Uh, for the finishing of our property to build a new children's wing and do a bunch of other things. You know what started happening during that time? Vandals started coming down. Vagrants started coming down to that horse barn and living there. I mean, we had to call the police and get them out of there. It it wasn't too big of a problem, but it it certainly wasn't an an annoyance. Uh, Nobody was hurt from our church. None of our church property was there, but you know, the barn, they spray painted some stuff on there and and no telling what happened, but the police, uh, thankfully for the police, KCPD helped us get it under control. But I mean, it was just so puzzling to me. Why now? Out of all times? You know, why didn't this happen when we first got there? No, it had to happen right when we started this campaign. And I think it was just the devil's way to try to annoy us, to try to trick us, that there's nothing of value here that uh, homeless people are going to start uh, ruling and controlling your land and your property and all this. But we said no, and we prayed against it. And we, we couldn't find a buyer. We tried to find buyers. We tried to find people that would restore wood and try to get that barn, you know, all this and that. And then out of nowhere, just a month or two ago, there is a tremendous church down in southeast Missouri, Pastor Sheila Bowens, uh, who is doing a, a great work down there a follower on social media you want to see a a, a lot of really neat uh, uh things happening with the people of her community uh go and check it out but uh there is uh a, a brother a brother Maxwell brother Maxwell down there who is uh made a career out of taking old wood and and doing new things with it Build, I, wood restoration I don't know the the proper term for it but we got connected with them long story short they came up here and took all of the wood out of that barn, like expensive, great uh, lumber, and they're taking it down there and building a new facility, a new uh, multi-purpose room and church down there for this, for this people. <laughs> and, it, and it's just such an amazing project. It's such a blessing for them, such a blessing for us. And I got to tell you, I took videos, I've been talking about it, I've been showing people. It's just so neat how... We went from renting in a horse barn to owning a horse barn and then donating in a horse barn to build a brand new church for some people. I mean, come on. How about that, right? No way that's a coincidence. All prophetic how God sets it up. And that's how God used Samson as a man of strength and prophecy for Israel that one day your enemies will be conquered. You will possess the gates of your enemies. You will have an anointed king over you someday. Only from Abraham to Samson to David, but now from David to Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. So write down your stories. You know, you got the Instagram story. Everybody's uh, posting stories of uh, drinking their coffee and, (laughs) <laughs> and uh and uh, walking around with their backpacks and jumping in lakes or whatever you know how about we start doing stories of this is where I got the holy ghost this is where I got baptized and look at what god did for me start telling a prophetic story that's right remember what it says in second corinthians 10 the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through god through pulling down of strongholds come on Where are you at right now? What gates need to be tore down? Tear them down. Bar them all and take them somewhere. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Walk in the strength of the Lord, podheads. Do it and you'll be strong and perform great exploits for God. It's time to carry the gates of Gaza and take it to Hebron. Have faith in the Lord. Walk in the strength of God. Do it always. I can't wait to hear your prophetic story. It is second segment time where we talk about uh, the news, some of our views, some of our reviews, and a little bit of variety and a little bit of this and that. Sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's quite silly, to be honest with you. But uh, there are some very serious things that I am concerned about right now in the earth. I try not to talk about politics much on this show. Uh, it's it's a God, Bible, and church show, right? And I don't want politicians talking about the church, so I don't think the church should talk about politicians. Do you want your politician telling you how to how to have church, how to worship? No, you don't. So do you want your preachers telling you how to vote? (laughs) No, you don't. Okay, so uh, trying to create a heavy balance. And uh, from time to time, I try not to share too much of my opinions about culture and about the way people live their lives, right? I, I try to make this as wide range as possible. God loves you. The kingdom of heaven is available for you. And just simply preach and teach the Bible. But something that is troubling me, and I feel like if we're not careful, it's really going to get out of control all across the land, and that is theft. Theft. Uh, They were talking about the crime wave, a lot of common talking points between all of the talking heads. In uh, conservative media, they were calling it the crime wave, And, and, and even throwing other adjectives around crime there, and I'm not going to do that, but... Do you remember, it was like the late summer of 2020. It was in the news. These ladies were walking up into name brand stores, fancy stores, and walking out with shoes and handbags and bras, like twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 of merchandise, just walking out right there on camera, getting in their car and leaving, and nobody did anything about it. Videos of thugs. Coming into jewelry stores, smashing and grabbing expensive watches, expensive rings, and just walking out. And nobody can do anything about it. There's like laws now that somebody can walk in, steal $900 worth of stuff, and not even prosecuted. It. it is everything that we feared would happen. No law and order. Oh, I'm trying not to get political. I will not get political. I will not do it. I will not do it. Sometimes you just got to tell yourself no. <laughs> but is is this uh, the, the fault of politicians? I don't know. Is it the fault of preachers? I don't know. Is it the fault of the police? I don't know. But it just feels like right now that like criminals are a protected species and certain people groups are a protected species and <laughs> and the down-and-outers are like a sacred cow of society. It's like, oh, it's okay if you're hungry. Here you go. Oh, you need some money. Here you go. And we're letting people get away with theft. It's like certain people are above the law. Certain people are above the law. And I'm worried about it. I'm telling you, it is it is scary. A lot of it's happening in the coastal cities and the major cities, and some of us uh, here in the Midwest haven't really seen or heard a lot of that. But... I got to tell you, I heard a story last night from a man in our church. He said, my company this entire week has been under a ransomware attack. I said, a ransomware attack. What, 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 what is that? And he said, a hacker got into our company's system, their database, and locked us out. And has ordered us to pay this amount of money. And let me tell you, it's in the millions. This amount of money. And we'll unlock your stuff. We'll walk away. You pay us and we'll leave you alone. (laughs) It's been hijacked. Their company has been hijacked by these hackers to pay a ransom. Nobody's kids got kidnapped. No. Company uh, digital information has been kidnapped. Money, accounts, clients, everything kidnapped. And they have to pay a ransom. And he said, Yeah, another big company here in Kansas City. Well, it's a it's a it's a worldwide company, but they got a big headquarters here in Kansas City. Same thing happened to them last month. Ransomware attack. And you know what? They paid out. They paid the ransom. They negotiated with this terrorist. And he said, I don't think my company's gonna pay them. Isn't that crazy? Like I never even heard of that, and it's happening. So what are we going to do? I'll tell you what I did, and I'd like you all to partner with me pray against, I call it VAT, V-A-T, VAT. That's how I remember it. And I pray against vandalism, arson, and theft. I know there's a lot of other problems uh, out there in the world. But right there, it's crimes against property. It's encroachment upon property. And it can happen to churches. I was really worried about it, especially there in 2020, all those race riots. Remember they were burning down churches? And, and nobody was doing anything about it because oh, they're oppressed people, and the church is a big supremacist oppressive system, and your Bibles are racist, and your true and your church is racist, me, false witness and a and a lie, completely false witness and a and a lie. Oh, and God will take vengeance on all of that. Believe me, <laughs> He certainly will. <sighs> I'll stop right there. We got to pray against vandalism, arson, and theft. Over our churches, over our companies, and over our lives, because because let me tell you, there's a lot, a lot of things are happening. It's just sickening what is happening to the uh, to the world right now, to, to our country, to our cities. And so, uh, don't look the other way. If something looks suspicious, investigate what you can. But you need to let your police know. Put the police back in power. We need the police. All of these anti police people, you are. Ugh. We need the police to help civilization to tick. We need the police. I love this. We're, uh, the, the faith in blue thing uh, that Bishop Bernard has asked us churches to take a part in. Do it as a church. Do it. Talk, uh, the weekend of October 9th. Do something to show support uh, for faith and uh, law enforcement and all those who uh, partner uh with the law enforcement, 911 dispatchers, uh federal police, all all of those things do something to support them. Are they perfect? No, they don't claim to be. Let me tell you this, the worst person in law enforcement, the worst person in law enforcement is better than the best thug out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thugs ain't doing nothing for you. Police are doing something for you and we need that. So let's pray for the security of this nation, the security of our companies cuz uh I mean, there's a lot of uh, ideas where these hackers are coming from. They're foreign. Uh, there are a lot of problems happening in the earth. So we got problems. So pray, 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 pray. Somebody take up the gates of uh, cyber warfare and <laughs> and chuck them right there in 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 front of the, the local law enforcement office and say, hey, you're not going to, we're, we're tired of this. You're not going to own us. Pray over your accounts. I'm telling you, do it. Pray over your property. Do it, do it, do it. Another great issue of concern, Hurricane Ian. I mean, I look at just from what I could see on my on the map of my radar that storm as, as of this recording. It's it's the size of Florida. My God! And thankfully, it's passing through. And that's something about storms they 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 come and they go. Thank the Lord, they're they're nothing permanent. They're just there and they're not there. And uh, my prayers, my prayers are are with uh, Florida. For all of you listening, Florida is always in our top five in our monthly listenership. I love Florida. We got a gr- lot of great listeners down there, tremendous churches, tremendous pastors, a lot of great evangelists from there. A lot, a lot of great things. Florida District really has, has done a lot for the United Pentecostal Church and Pentecost, the oneness apostolic movement at large and i'm just praying for the churches praying for the property that this storm uh just get on through and we'd all be safe and i know that doesn't always happen and we'll certainly do what we can to support in the rebuilding of everything that was lost and damaged but you know, i'm wondering how's this going to affect uh, general conference uh, what uh, yeah, man you know i uh i'll just kind of tell on myself here one of my favorite all time tv shows is smallville Great TV show. Great comics. And uh, Clark Kent, Superman. You know what he said one time? Storms are a way of life. The trick is don't get caught up in the middle of it. And, (laughs) And I know that's not always possible with hurricanes, but I am just amazed at already reports I've heard of people. They could not get on the outside of that storm. They stayed right in the middle of it, and somehow God protected them somehow God protected them and you know we've been talking about Samson who fought from within sometimes you're gonna have to fight storms from within the disciples are on the sea of Galilee a great storm they're not on the outside of that storm oh they're they're caught up right in the middle of it and Jesus stands up and says peace be still and immediately that storm was calmed and I've been speaking against that storm speaking peace over Florida speaking peace over general conference And uh, I don't think the devil sent this storm. Some people are posting the devil is trying to fight, fight, fight and destroy General Conference. You know, it's hurricane season. It's going to happen. Florida knows that and they're strong. They'll prevail. That's the entire state of Florida may be ready to go by Sunday. I mean, it's Florida. They'll clean it up. They'll get it going. Right. But, uh, man, let's just pray. Let's just pray and help and do what we can. That's what we got to do. So, yeah, if you're caught up in the middle of the storm, speak peace. Storms can't handle peace. Storms are chaos. Storms are conflict. But you be the peace in the middle of it all. And say, peace, be still. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Thank you so much for listening. Keep your faith alive. Even though you can't see it, have faith and watch it happen. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Never cease from doing that. And watch out, hell. This is the year that we prevail against you. In Jesus' name.